Welcome back to Yes, That Can't Be Good, a rewatch podcast of the sci fi original series Eureka. Let's get going. Here's DC with the TV Guide synopsis. Season 4, episode 14, up in the air. Governor Mustaf, a bank robbery, or the town may throw it away. Original air date, August 1st, 2001. Creators, Jamie Paglia and Andrew Cosby. Written by Kira Schneider. Directed by Alexandra LaRoche. Thank you. Thank you. A brighter tomorrow. Today, Astraeus mission update. Phase one is complete after the initial 387 applicants presented their best scientific ideas for the six-month mission. Next. Only the best of the best were chosen to advance to the next stage. We're putting you through to the next round. As the selection process continued, the 120 candidates now enter phase two, physical fitness training. All departments throughout Global Dynamics are working to make the historic mission to tighten the reality as we count down to launch. Hi, we're back for season four, episode 14, Up in the Air. I'm here with my co-host, Dud Gramley. Hey. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. So this episode opens with another Astraeus commercial. The countdown said 115 days to launch. Okay, tell me what these remind me of. I know they're supposed to remind us of something. It won't come to me. Well, I don't know if you're thinking the same thing, but the movie Starship Troopers. Starship. Did you ever see that? No, I don't think so. It was a movie, I don't know, back in like the late 90s, early 90s maybe, I don't know. But they kept on doing these kind of propaganda videos before certain scenes oh. about going to fight aliens. Aliens are bad, uh, or these alien bugs are bad, and, you know, are you doing your part type of thing. That's what it reminded me of. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. I mean, not specifically that movie, but propaganda videos, because it was killing me. In the last episode, you know, he stops... And look, here's Holly Martin. It's exactly like the movie. They were doing the same exact thing. It was, or maybe it was in reference to that. It probably is. I never saw it, but maybe the movie imitated real propaganda videos. It's a good movie. I'd recommend What is it? it? Starship? Starship Troopers. Okay. So, Allison's running late and has to skip coffee with Carter. She says between the mission and inoculating the whole town, she's at maximum capacity. Henry returns Carter's Jeep. He added some enhancements. He demonstrates by hitting the Jeep with a baseball bat. The yeah. bat breaks, but the Jeep is fine. I have a problem. I put a little note in there saying Doug Gramley is going to have a problem here. He takes the bat. He borrows the bat. He asks the kids, can I borrow your bat? <laughs> and then takes the bat and then smashes the bat on the Jeep. And now the kids don't have a bat. <laughs> and they're standing there in the background looking like, you know, what the heck just happened? And nobody says anything to them. Nobody says, oops, sorry. I, know. I don't know. I feel like there was a better way to demonstrate that the car doesn't dent. Well, I know, yeah. Or maybe that there was a better way to, after he broke the bat, there was some miraculous way to fix it. Yeah. Or that too. But no, now these kids, which, first of all, I backtrack. I don't know why they're playing baseball in the middle of Main Street. Right. That just seems unsafe. I just had a small problem with that. I, I figured you would. After Henry breaks the bat, he tells Carter that he applied a super dense protective coating because he's tired of fixing the Jeep. Yep. Henry mentions fitness training, and to Carter's surprise, it's actually training and no goggles and no virtual anything. Joe is in her element as the drill sergeant for the trainees. This is like where she belongs. Yep. Grace, Henry, and Zane are in the alpha group. I said toes on the line, you worthless bunch of PhDs. You are group alpha. I will be attempting to train you for the physical fitness requirements of the Astraeus Project. This is my lab. You want to go into space? 
on purpose. You gotta go through me first. Who knows what a push-up is? Oh, I do. Um, it's a calisthenics exercise focusing on the pectoral and tricep muscles dating back to the Greco. I don't think that's what you meant. Grace hasn't watched many uh, military movies and doesn't know not to answer a question. Zane, of course, has no problem with any of the fitness exercises. How tired must he have been? During the shooting? Yes. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, you figure how many takes did they have to do. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he was doing serious push-ups, so. But I, I like that he's different from everybody else. He's not the typical smart, geeky person. I like that he's different. Over at GD, Fargo catches Holly in the lobby and tells her that he was hoping to see her at Cafe Diem the night before to go over the FTL specs. She said she had dinner somewhere else with someone else. So when she said that, I thought, we've never, ever, ever, except for the depot, which I don't think is in Eureka, seen another restaurant in Eureka. Is there somewhere else to eat in town? I don't believe so. The time when Carter ordered pizza when he was taking sick days, did that come from Cafe Diem or was there an actual pizza place? I assume all the food comes from Cafe Diem. You know, when she says I had dinner somewhere else with someone else, I mean, unless they left town, but... Well, maybe he was at someone's house. Maybe, I guess. Anyway, Fargo tried to get more information about the someone else that Holly had dinner with, but Holly's too preoccupied and excited by the mission. Holly tells Fargo that even though he is the head of GD, he still has to go through the training for a spot on the mission. In the medical lab, Fargo comes in to ask Allison to cover him for the NASA review. Allison says she's too busy. She has to do physicals on all the candidates and inoculate the entire town so the candidates don't introduce any pathogens on the mission. She points out a new delivery of vaccines. Fargo entices her with the presentation of a new method of chemosynthesis detection. So she agrees. She turns around, ready to have everyone unpack the boxes, but finds they've already been unpacked. Now, see, I think I'd have to get myself checked at this point. Yeah, I first thought that just something weird happened. Like, I didn't think that she did it and she just forgot. Yeah, but still, in the time that she turned around and showed Fargo the boxes to have them all unpacked, even if she didn't do it, if her employees did it, there wasn't enough time. Yeah, but this scene is a little different from the other scenes, I think. Yeah. When it happens to her, because it's not like... I mean, she shows Fargo that it's not done, and then she continues to talk to Fargo. She turns around, and they're done. She just ended the conversation with Fargo, so she's still standing in the same spot. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like it happened while she was talking to Fargo, whereas the other times she doesn't realize. You know how sometimes when I'm driving to work, I zone out, and I don't realize what I'm doing until I get to the office, and I'm like, oh, my my God, how did I get here? (laughs) Yes. That's what the other scenes felt like to me. This one didn't because she wasn't... You, you get what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about it that way, but well, that's yeah. Why, that's why I thought that I, I wasn't thinking that, oh, there's something wrong with her. I thought that just something weird in the town. Well, yeah, that's true, too. Everybody's first guess would be something's wrong in the town since something always is. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I see that. Okay. At Cafe Diem, Kevin comes in complaining that Allison made him fried eggs instead of scrambled. Jack tries to tell him that she has a lot on her mind, but Kevin thinks he's going to starve. And you know, it's funny because it shows how much I think I'm paying attention and I'm not paying attention. As many times as I've seen this episode, I just thought this was a random throwaway scene of Kevin complaining. 
didn't occur to me that this is something Allison knows he likes scrambled eggs and doesn't like fried eggs. Wait, what? When Kevin complains that Allison knows he doesn't like fried eggs, that he likes scrambled, but she made him fried eggs. Yeah. And you just think that's kind of like a throwaway scene or a filler to move on to the next scene. Yeah. It didn't occur to me that Allison isn't Allison. Oh. And she made him fried eggs because she doesn't know that Kevin likes scrambled eggs and not fried. Yeah. And it didn't occur to me until this time when I was watching it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, I was the same thing. I didn't think anything of it until just now. So Carter gets a call from Andy and finds out that there was a bank robbery and he gets very excited. This, you know this, this is my favorite scene in the entire series. I'm going to try and put a clip in, but it's more of a visual. I love this. Yeah. Hey, Andy, let me guess. It's uh, Quantum Runaway something or other. Someone what? I'll I'll be right there. Someone robbed a bank! Yeah! Should he really be happy about that? He gets so excited because Andy tells him somebody's robbed a bank and he thinks he's going to be able to do like... Right. As he's walking down the sidewalk, he's like, we're going to take fingerprint analysis. And he's, yeah, he's going through the whole... He's going to interview witnesses. Right, yeah. He's going to take tire impressions. He's very excited. And he Real gets... Normal. Yeah, and he gets there and the whole bank is gone. So Henry comes to investigate, and Henry's not sure what to think. He says that even teleportation would not leave that type of quantum signature. But Henry doesn't understand why anybody would steal a bank. And Carter says, well, that's where the money is. Henry tells him that all monetary transactions in Eureka are handled electronically, so the bank only holds safety deposit boxes. Go. I know you're going to have something to say about this. What? Oh, see, I left the space because I knew you were going to have something to say about this. About safety deposit boxes? About the bank. No, what was I going to say? Oh, I thought for sure you were going to say Carter's been in town for four years. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. He, he, he does, doesn't know. He doesn't know that the bank doesn't have any money. He doesn't know that there's just safety deposit boxes in there. That's a good point. He's the sheriff. It's a bank. You think the sheriff of the town would know about the bank? Yeah. Well, I mean, when Henry said that, you know, all the money is, is done electronically, he kind of knew that. So, But uh, it doesn't occur to him that the bank doesn't have any money, which means he's probably never gone into the bank. Right. True. All this time in town. Maybe that's why he was so excited when he heard somebody actually robbed the bank. Yeah, because he thought somebody robbed the money from the bank. Yeah. Yeah. I thought for sure you were going to have something to say about that. So Henry says that the bank is reinforced with osseum. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And it's the densest, heaviest object in town. I guess the vault is reinforced with osseum. Meanwhile, Andy has quite a crowd of angry people at the sheriff's office concerned about their safety deposit boxes. Back at the training, we're now with Group Bravo. Fargo's on the phone because, of course, he's still running GVD. Paris knocks him down. And takes the spot next to Howie. Zane shows up for this group too. Joe can't get anyone to say for sure that he can't do that, so he stays. But Howie mentions Zane's criminal record to Joe and says that it will exclude him from going on the mission. So Joe feels bad, of course, because she assumes he doesn't know that. Grace and Allison talk as Allison wraps Grace's sprain. Allison is talking about her new equipment, specifically one that is a thousand times more detailed than MRI. Grace says she's having a hard time with the training, but Henry's loving it. Allison mentions Henry's physical later that day. She's expecting to see sore muscles and the like, I suppose. Allison also talks to Grace a bit about the loss of time earlier in the day. 
Grace just thinks she's overworked but wants to run some tests later, just to be sure. The way Allison described it to her... Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think anybody would think anything really of it. Like, I think she did a poor job of saying exactly what was happening. Yeah. Back at the training site, Joe has the candidates running tires. Fargo complains that Parrish is not even supposed to be in this group. And Parrish said he transferred into it and that Holly and he discussed it over dinner the night before. So Fargo found out who Holly had dinner with. Yeah. Joe assigns medicine ball drills to everyone because Fargo, once again, was on the phone. The medicine balls are supposed to be set at 10 pounds, but when Parrish throws one at Fargo, it sends him flying. Yeah, who changed the medicine ball? I, the parish that did it? I don't think anybody changed it. No, somebody did. There's a scene where they're adjusting the weight of the medicine ball. Somebody picks up a medicine ball, and you can see it go past 10. Oh, really? Yeah, and then the parish picks it up. So I don't know who... Somebody changed it. Oh, I saw them changing it, but I just thought they were showing us how to set it for 10 or, you know, how the medicine ball works. I didn't notice that it went past 10. Yeah, I thought it went past 10. Oh, Okay, that makes sense, because the heavier it is, the more mass things lose, right? When they figure out what's going on? Yes. So that's why Fargo went so far, because whatever's going on only affects dense, heavy items. So somebody set it to more than 10, which made the ball heavier, which means... I'm almost positive in between, right after Joe says to do medicine ball drills or whatever... Somebody's messing around with a medicine. Yeah, I saw that. It was Parrish. So he was very adamant that he did not do it. So, But what I'm saying is, even if they set it to maybe 20 or more... Right, it's going to be heavier and it's, it's going to... Right, which is what causes Fargo to go flying. Well, it right. was that they the ball was too... out that the ball was made out of the same material that the bank ball was made out of. Right, but that would make sense why that ball took off and not all the other ones. Later on, all the other ones do too, but... Right. At this point, okay, that would make sense. So somebody must have turned it up, and they turned it up enough that it was affected by whatever's going on, which is why it made Fargo go flying. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. Because if somebody turned it up and just threw it, they wouldn't be able to throw it hard enough to make him go flying. Right. That makes sense. I didn't notice that. So everybody goes off to find Fargo because he goes flying. At the sheriff's office, Carter reads the list of missing items. Dr. Boyle comes in to make his report for his grandmother's heirlooms. Joe calls for help because Fargo's up a tree. As Carter's leaving, he hears Dr. Boyle list antimatter. When they question this, he says it's in a Class II static field, which should protect it under normal circumstances. Andy seems okay with the static field. Jack asks why he asked what it was protected with, and Andy tells Jack that antimatter is volatile. It could blow up. Carter's now working under the assumption that the reason the bank was stolen was for this antimatter and antimatter. The, uh, make a bomb. Yeah. So Henry's installed an antimatter detector in Jack's Jeep. It works like a GPS. Andy says the antimatter is most likely still in the vault, so the detector should lead him to the missing bank. Carter sends Andy to deal with getting Fargo out of the tree while he leaves to find the antimatter. Yep. Over at the tree, Holly's excited about how fast Fargo traveled, and Parrish is just being Parrish. Fargo accuses Parrish of sabotage, and Parrish denies it, while Joe is losing patience with both of them. But it was sabotage. He tampered with the medicine ball. Oh, please, like you need my help washing out of contention for Astraeus, or other things. Andy, arrest him. I'm pressing charges. No, I didn't touch the stupid medicine ball. I swear I will flunk both of you. You're never going to qualify at this rate, Doug. And kiss that ticket to Titan goodbye. 
The spirit of competition might be getting the best of some people. It's not a fight to the death. Although we don't know what Miss Lupo has planned for later. <laughs> Can't wait. She talks about how badly they are treating this opportunity that they were given. So it almost sounds like, and I guess this is where Zane gets the idea that Joe really does want to go, plus they have a talk later. You know, she sounds like, if I had this opportunity, I wouldn't be treating it this way. I don't have this opportunity, and you should be thankful. And I think it was also in reference to Zane, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, right. I think she's seen how serious he's taking it. He doesn't know that he can't go. You're right. I didn't even think of that. That's true. Andy leaves to find the ball. Holly tells Fargo that they can do an extra workout right after Parrish checks her for ticks. Yeah. <laughs> Fargo's getting overwhelmed with the phone and complains to Allison about how much training he's missing due to the GD interruptions. Allison tells him that running GD and training for the mission are both big jobs, but then we see a flash and time jumps find them in the lobby with Fargo telling her that her idea is awesome and he'll think about it. Allison asks what he's going to think about and he looks at her confused because he must have probably just talked about it but answers making her a temporary head of GD while he's training and while he's away on the mission. Yep. Back at the training site Grace is still trying to do a pull-up. She's upset because her and Henry do everything together and this time he might have to go without her. Because yes. she doesn't think she's going to pass the physical part of it. I mean, come on. Give me a break. What? You have to do everything together? Like, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, and they haven't done everything together. This is a different Henry. Exactly. Yeah. I, it was just one of those, like, rolling my eyes. <laughs> I know people who are like that, and it's just like, come on. I know. I know. So Andy interrupts to ask about the medicine balls that have disappeared. He says how unusual it is for something as heavy as osseum to float away. Okay, so Jack is working on the bank robbery. And osseum was mentioned in the vault and in the bank, and that's why it floated away. Now, why is this information not shared with Andy? Why does Andy not know this? It's like they work on two separate things, and they don't share any information. And it takes Henry to say, osseum? All of this is a coincidence because Andy happened to mention Osseum because Grace and Henry happened to be there. I don't know why he doesn't uh, use them more. Yeah, I know Andy's working on the medicine balls or getting Fargo out of the tree, but before he started doing this, he was working on the bank robbery with Jack. Why are they not sharing information is my question. Yeah. They always find out about things through some coincidence of them talking to somebody else. So because Andy mentions Osseum, Henry remembers that the bank vault is osseum, which Jack already knows. So he calls Jack to tell him about the osseum medicine balls, and Jack finds himself right in front of the bank, but he doesn't realize he's up in the air. And he starts to get out of the Jeep and drops into the lake. Yeah. And once again, Henry tries to warn him before he does anything, and he doesn't listen. In the infirmary, Allison checks him out. Henry says the bank is intact but floating. If the bank comes crashing down with antimatter, it'd be a big explosion. Carter wants to get the helicopter to get to the bank, but Henry says it's already up in the air. Because with no pilot. With no pilot, right. Because it's floating due to the osseum, I guess. Henry says that objects with a like density to osseum are also being affected. So Allison looks like she's trying to figure things out. It was confusing. She kind of looked like she had her headache. She also looked like she was trying to figure things out. But then she just said she was a bit scattered and needed to take arrest which henry thought was weird and was this when she did like disappear was there another flash 
Um, uh, this one? I don't think so. And Allison, she's kind of holding her head, but she kind of looks like she looked when she had the headaches in the last yeah. episode. I don't know if Carter or Henry asks if she's all right, and she says she's fine, she just needs a break. And Henry says, well, that's not like Allison. Right. And she realizes, Henry says, that's not like her. She tells Carter that she's not going to take a break and she needs to speak to Henry. We couldn't tell if she was having a headache or was this another episode? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. So Joe finds Zane still working out. She tells him that he's excluded from the program because of his criminal records. She finds out he already knows. All this work to get back into space. After what you and Fargo went through, I didn't think you'd want it. I didn't at first, but what? I was 11 once. To be an astronaut. Every kid's dream. Then you grow up. Hey, um, Zane, look, um, your criminal record disqualifies you from being in the Asterius Project. Yeah, I know. What? You... I just spent an hour trying to figure out how to tell you. An hour? That's what you came up with? He's going to do the training so the program can see what's missing by excluding him. Right. And that's where he says, you know, let's do this together. Yeah. But you know what? He's all bent out of shape for the program excluding him. I think any government program would exclude him because of his criminal record. Yeah. And we're forgetting he's not in Eureka by choice. If he wasn't in Eureka, he'd be in jail. Correct. They're keeping him there to work for them. Yeah, but I feel like if you're going to send somebody into space on like a experimental level, like why not send a criminal? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I know you're kidding there. If you don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, you don't know if people are going to survive the trip or god forbid the space shuttle you know explodes or something like that (laughs) he's a smart guy so if he makes it great he can still run the experiments but if he doesn't make it he's a criminal so it's like who cares (laughs) okay (laughs) that's terrible i mean if his no i'm just saying if if his criminal record is that bad that he can't go on well people must not really like him so then just send him anyway Okay, people like him. His cr- I do, yeah, I think he's <laughs> I think if you have a felony, I mean in real life, that excludes right, yeah. you from a lot of things. So it's not that his criminal record is that bad, he didn't murder anybody or anything, but yeah. he has felony convictions. So whether or not he's a nice guy, that would exclude him from a lot of things. No, I'm just saying that there's a solution to getting rid of him if he's that sort of troublemaker. <laughs> well, so, I don't think they're trying patient. to... Get rid of him, but okay. <laughs> but my point is, he's all been out of shape because he's acting like it's a choice that they're excluding him. It's not a choice. It's a thing. If you have a felony, there's a lot of things you're excluded from. I don't know if he's bent out of shape about it, though. He seems like he is. I think he he understands. Like I think he knew from the very beginning that he wasn't to be allowed to go. Right, he did. By him working out, I think he's shown, trying to show them that despite what he's done in the past, you're missing out if you don't send me. You know, he's probably one of the only ones that is fully prepared for this type of trip. So I don't know if, if it's just bent out of shape or he's just trying to prove prove them wrong. Well, I think it's a little both because he said he wants to show them what they're missing by excluding them. And it's not their choice. It's not like a Eureka thing. He's a felon. Right. This is yeah, his prison. He's, he's trying to change the whole... Right, but 
If he was not in Eureka, he'd be in prison. They sent him to Eureka instead of sending him to prison. He's stuck right. there. He can't leave there. And I think everybody's forgetting that. He's not there by choice. He can't leave if he wants to. He has to stay there. That's his prison sentence. So I don't feel bad for him. Allison is at the smart house with Kevin and Jenna. Allison goes out to the car to get her tablet and finds herself in the middle of Main Street in front of an oncoming car. Right. This is exactly how I feel. I have the same expression on my face when I all of a sudden I'm pulling into my spot and I see the building. It has the same look on my face like, oh my God. Are there sometimes you go, you go down the same road every single day of your life, twice a yeah. day probably, yeah. and there's times when you zone out and then all of a sudden you look around and you're like, I don't even know this road. But you're on the same road you're always on? Except that yeah, I'm not paying pay, attention. You just pay attention to it. Yeah, I'm not paying attention yeah. to what's around me, and I was like, I've never seen that house before. Oh yeah, I do that all the time, and then I get nervous. Am I on the right road? I don't even think I'm on the right road. Yeah, I get that feeling exactly. So Fargo reports that he thinks the bank is going higher because something is making their signals bounce around. Carter notices Henry sitting on the stairs and asks if he's okay. Henry says he is. And he reports that there's no gravity issue. Carter doesn't understand why there wouldn't be a gravity issue, but Fargo says that gravity doesn't make things heavy, and Holly chimes in with Higgsfield. So Henry explains that the Higgsfield gives mass, and objects lose mass and float when the Higgsfield is disrupted. Carter remembers a Higgsfield disruptor as one of the safety box items. And did you see Henry's face when Carter was saying, like, a Higgsfield disruptor? He was looking at him like he was almost proud of him. He was looking at him like, how did you know that? Uh, yeah, I think I, yeah, I think I remember. There was this glimmer of, oh my God, I'm so proud. Carter says there was one on the list in a safety deposit boxes. Fargo says there's now 76 objects up in the air and the bank is still losing mass. Holly shows up with petrogravity field generators. Carter turns one on and falls to the floor. Yes, he got to overact in this episode Yes, a lot. A lot. And, but I think it was done pretty well. Absolutely. It was hilarious, all of it. But this is when he starts losing it with Holly. Yes. And he's not hiding it well. As weird as he thinks people are, unless they're criminals, he's usually pretty nice. But he's not nice to her. Well, it's not her fault that he <laughs> pressed the button. No, it isn't. But he gives her the death stare through the whole scene. No, I mean, he, he's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> he's not hiding it. So she tells Carter that he can place them around town to keep everything else on the ground until they come up with a solution. Allison comes running into the smart house, and Kevin's panicked and tells her she's been gone for hours. Carter's on the street with a Bluetooth-like device in his ear. I guess he's going to plant the petrogravity something or others. He's connected to Fargo, Holly, and Henry at GD. They're trying to figure out how much time they have to plant the devices, but Carter sees cars, light posts, and mailbox, and a lot of other things floating up in the air. So they don't have very much time at all. Carter comes back to GD and he tells Henry that all the Petros have been placed. They grounded Martha. They're evacuating the town into GD because GD is protected. The bank is 10,000 feet over the high school at this point. Yeah. Henry says that all the stuff floating around is still affecting their signals. And he goes to check the weather to be sure there's no storms or anything on the way that would push all the debris somewhere else because you don't want the stuff. It's bad enough if it all comes down in Eureka, but you don't want it coming down, like like I think you said, Idaho or something. 
Carter sees Allison in the lab and asks what's wrong. She tells him that she's losing time, but Grace's test showed nothing. Holly runs in to tell Jack that Joe found the owner of the Higgsfield disruptor. Carter leaves, but before he does, he tells Allison that they'll figure out what's happening to her, maybe with her new equipment. Andy and Joe are supervising the evacuation, and Joe calls Andy Mr. Data, and I know Star Trek references are lost on you, but I, I liked it. Carter confronts Parrish in the lobby. Parrish says that the Higgsfield distributor is a collectible, and he says he put it in the bank yesterday. Henry argues it's an antique and should be safe. Then they figure out that something could kickstart it, and they figure out the antimatter. Right. Parrish says it would take an antiparticle energy to jumpstart it. But then he yells at Parrish that he should take better care of his stuff, put it someplace safe. <laughs> Parrish, you didn't mention you had a collection of doomsday devices. It's particle physics equipment, Sheriff Carter. I see, I don't see the difference. Of course you don't. It is a collectible, one-of-a-kind Higgsfield disruptor. It's signed, although the authenticity of the signature is... Hey! It disrupts! The Higgsfield! You should put it someplace safe? Oh, you mean like in a bank? Yeah, like... It... But you didn't yell at the guy whose grandmother made antimatter? Right. So that safe? Well, he yells at Parrish a lot and then realizes he's wrong. I think in the last episode he did the same thing. He always wants to yell at him and then he just realizes he's wrong. I think he didn't yell at the antimatter guy because Andy said it was fine because it was in whatever it was in. Yeah. At that time, they didn't know about the Higgsfield disruptor. So I think if the antimatter was the second thing to be found, he would have yelled at the other guy. But I think he would have yelled at Parrish, too, because I think he likes to. Yeah. In the lab, Allison has given herself a brain scan with her new equipment and finds foreign bodies that are man-made and realizes they're neural implants. Meanwhile, Carter floats up to the bank window on a medicine ball. And this was a lot of physical comedy, too, yeah. After a lot of work and screaming, he makes it inside. He has to separate the disruptor from the antimatter by putting the antimatter in a penning trap that they put on his belt. Yep. Because Fargo told him that they had his sputum on file, which got him into the vault, Carter asks if he should lick the lock <laughs> on the deposit. Well, said, Fargo says they have his whatever on file yeah. and then doesn't he, Carter goes uh, that's gross that's gross right yeah but I guess that's how they got his DNA so they could program his hands to open the vault right. but then he gets in the vault and all the safety deposit boxes are locked so Carter you know seriously asks yes because it's Carter should he lick the lock and Holly says he can but that would be weird and then he says somebody put her in front of a cartoon right 361362 uh do I have to lick the lock You can if you want, but that would be weird. Someone put her in front of a cartoon! He's out of patience with her, but she's not being sarcastic. He doesn't understand that she's answering the questions he's asking. Right. In a serious manner. Her opinion is it would be weird, but if he wants to lick the lock, he can't. And he doesn't get that. He just has no patience whatsoever with her. Yeah, and he tells them to put her in front of a cartoon. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. (laughs) 
But Henry opens the boxes remotely and Carter finds the antimatter. Holly tells him to carefully put it in the penning trap and Carter loses it again. Jack, uh, uh, don't panic, but that's not the disruptor. That's the antimatter. Just put it carefully in the penning trap. Give me the box! If you mean the box, it's in box! Put it in the box! Don't yell at me! So he is able to put the antimatter in the penning trap without blowing up. And he finds the disruptor and finds it shut itself off because the antimatter was secure. Henry tells him that everything should be floating down slowly, but the bank is falling much faster than everything else. Right. Joe hears the conversation and she comes in and suggests thrust. Something about airplanes and blah, 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 which I don't understand. I don't know if you did. No, I didn't. Okay. Once they start talking about yeah. stuff, I... Turn off. I know. Yeah. Henry says they can turn the Higgsfield disruptor back on, but they need a controlled burst. Joe goes through the deposit box list to find a field amplifier. Jack asks what it looks like, but nobody can describe it. Henry just describes it as basketish. So Carter finds something that he says looks like a broccoli steamer. <laughs> he has to point it to the ground and flip the switch and open the box quickly and only for a second. He does that, a ray shoots out of the box, and the bank stops falling right before hitting the ground. Everything starts to come back to the ground, and Holly thinks the whole thing is awesome. Yeah, I think they said everything except for a couple things down. <laughs> right. Carter's Jeep did not come back, and we see it floating out near the space station. And they didn't want to tell him because he just got it back. Later, Henry tells Grace that his physical said he has a, some sort of heart problem, which is totally benign when he's on Earth, but he can't go to space. Right. Grace said they'll find a way to get him there, because this is Eureka. But neither one of them looked like they believed that. Fargo returns Parrish's disruptor. Fargo and Holly plan to play basketball as their extra workout, but Fargo assigns Parrish something at GD so he can't join them. Zane realizes that Joe dreamed of going to space too but she doesn't think she's smart enough. Zane says that she is smart enough. She solved the problem with the floating stuff. Yeah. And he wants to help her study. They talk about how they didn't talk that way before in the last timeline. Joe always said he made her feel inadequate in a couple episodes, yeah. Back at the smart house, and and this was creepy. Even when they just show Allison, you know it's not Allison, it was kind of creepy. Yeah, where she's being controlled. Yeah. Yeah. Just the whole thing was just creepy. Like we said, Allison tells Jack that she found nothing in her tests, and she feels much better now. It doesn't actually look like Jack believes her 100%. And then we cut to Beverly, who's hooked up to a bunch of wires, watching Carter through Allison's eyes and responding as Allison. Somebody's telling her that the disruption from the Higgs field is gone, so that was what was causing all of Allison's time loss. She probably wouldn't have known that Beverly was taking over at points in time except that the Higgs field was disrupting everything and that's pretty much the end but Allison plays creepy well I think oh yeah that was yeah she kind of looks out of the you know off to the side and yeah that was a little uncomfortable it was it was creepy the whole thing was creepy yeah so did we skip over anything you wanted to talk about no I don't think so all right then we'll see you next week yep okay thanks all righty bye You seem downright perky, boss. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to do fingerprints. We're going to do a tire impression. We're going to interview witnesses. Eddie. Yeah, boss. 
You said there was a bank robbery. Yep. Someone stole it last night. Of course they did. Night. Okay, DC, tell us what's next. Join us next time for season four, episode 50. And may God, girls, Chulu. Bye. Bye. Please remember to follow us on our Facebook page. Yeah, that can't be good. At facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch. Or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at EurekaRewatch.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Podbean. If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at EurekaRewatch at Gmail. We would love to hear from you. And we're now also available on Google Play.